Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And Father, we thank you for your son that you sent, Father, to die for us, but to also lead by example. And God, I just pray right now that as we enter into this time of, of hearing your word, Father, that you would speak to us. Father, that this word would touch us deep within our souls, Father. That, God, you would, you would move in our lives. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, so, new series, and we are starting in Matthew. Series on Matthew, um, and we're kind of going through uh, through Matthew up through Easter, I believe is the plan. Plans change, but I believe that's the plan. And what we're kind of exploring as we get into Matthew is the theme of discipleship that we see throughout the book of Matthew. And and discipleship, it's a word that we, we often hear within Christian circles, right? We It's something that is just a common theme. Um, we want to be disciples of Jesus. Um, we want to raise up disciples because that's really important. And, and Jesus specifically called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. But really, do we, do we really know what that means, what that looks like? And that's what we're going to be exploring over the coming weeks. But on that note, let's take a look at the passage that we read today. So in Matthew 23 here, this passage, it doesn't really uh, jump off the page as this is discipleship kind of text. Um, not until we look a little bit closer at it. So at this point, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem. Um, he's come in leading up to Passover, and he's, he's doing a lot of teaching in Jerusalem. Um, this is kind of the period where we get uh, uh, messages from Jesus, like talking about the great, the great commandment, right? Love Lord your God, love your neighbor. Um, we also hear uh, the tax question, so the, you know, who does this money belong to? He's got a picture of Caesar. So there's, there's a lot of uh, a lot of pretty profound things being spoken about here, and the Pharisees are working really hard to try to trip Jesus up. They're working really hard to try to trap him, because this is at the point where they're really planning. They want him arrested. They want him gone, because they're threat, he's threatening their way of life, ultimately. Um, he's questioning how they've been leading forever. Um, but here, uh, instead of instead of really starting out questioning them, uh, it, it seems a little bit odd because Jesus is actually turning it around and agreeing with them in a sense to start out. So if we look at verses one to three, there, then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you. Side note, 
I had to go looking to see what Moses' seat was because I wasn't sure if this was just saying, hey, they, you know, hold the same sway as Moses, that kind of stuff. Moses' seat was actually a chair in the synagogues, apparently, where uh, the Pharisees sat. So it, it was kind of a seat of power and that, uh, that idea that they brought the law to the people, uh, but it was actually a physical chair that they got to sit in. So I just thought that was neat. Uh, so he's constantly condemned the scribes and the Pharisees throughout his ministry. He's constantly questioned their way of doing things. And he's always asking them, you know, getting them to think about what they're, what they're saying and what they're doing. Saying, you know, is there maybe a better way of doing this? But here, we actually see him say, yeah, follow their instructions. Do what they're telling you to do. Which kind of makes you pause and wonder, okay, well, what's, what's different? But as we read on, we find out what's different. Yeah, do what they're instructing you to do, but, but, do not observe and do the works that they do. So they're providing good instruction, but don't do what they're doing. That's interesting. Do what they teach, but not what they do. And Jesus, uh, he doesn't hold back here. And he hits pretty hard, which is in, in line with, uh, with what he's been doing in his uh, time in Jerusalem so far. So when we read on, continue on in verse 3 and go to verse 7. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all the deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Phylacteries and fringes, they were part of the garb of the Pharisees and kind of like if I were wearing a medal or something and I'm shining it up and that kind of thing. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. Oof. He just lays it all out right there. He says, yeah, do what they're teaching you to do. But this is where their hearts are at. This is how they are living. This is what they are living for. And he calls them right out about it. He essentially explains that their teachings and their way of uh, that they live out their lives, they don't align with each other. They say one thing, but they go and do this. Now, I could really get tied up here talking about um, each point that Jesus makes uh, about the, the Pharisees and scribes um, and the way that they're living in. Um, but that's a lesson for another day. That's... that's <laughs> That's a big lesson for another day, because there are a lot of things that you can get into. What's important here to realize is that Jesus is clearly pointing out areas where they are lacking an authentic lifestyle, an authentic relationship with God. First, they don't live the way they are telling others that they need to live. 
second, they set standards that were incredibly difficult to live by. You couldn't live up to the bar that they were setting. And when they set those bars, they didn't help people navigate. They put things on people's shoulders, but wouldn't do anything to actually help them achieve that lifestyle. Essentially, they would, so God made the, the laws, right? So there would be a fence. Cliffs on the other side. You, you go over the fence, you fall off the cliff. So they would put up fences. Here's another fence to keep you from getting close to that fence. But just to make sure we don't get close to that fence, we'll put up another fence and another fence. So then it got so far off from what the original intent of it was. It was well-meaning, but it got to the point that it was so stringent that it just it, it lost its original meaning, the original purpose of the law. And it got to the point that people couldn't actually live up to it, to the point that Jesus is, or uh, it wasn't Jesus. No, my brain broke. I can't remember if it was Jesus or one of his disciples. They're walking one day and just grab a handful of grain from the field. And they call them out for that and say they're working on a Sunday, or on a Sabbath, sorry, Sunday. On a Sabbath, they're working on a Sabbath. Well, that seems a little bit ridiculous. Really, should I even be getting up and walking around at that point then? I'm exerting any kind of effort. There's fences and fences and fences. So they're making, a, making it so burdensome for somebody to actually live for God, but they're not actually doing anything to help people navigate. They just criticize and call out. So it, it was well-meaning. It makes sense to try to be mindful of that, but not with the way they were doing it. Third thing is that they, everything they did was for show, and it wasn't out of a genuine relationship with God. Puffed out chest and peacock feathers. They were, they were putting on a show. They weren't living the life, but their position as, as church leaders, as religious leaders, it was, uh, it was a position that carried a lot of pride and prestige. People looked up to them, so then they really got, it kind of goes through their heads, right? It felt good to be treated with honor and respect at social gatherings. They liked the best seats that they were getting. And we kind of see uh, a, a little bit about that with the parables of the, the great ba uh, wedding banquet and the great feast and stuff. Um, I preached on that, I don't know, a while ago. But Jesus calls them out for that at that point too. It's all about your status and sitting where the highest honor spot is to the Pharisees. But that's, that's just not the way God expects us to live. Clearly though, all of these are uh, problems that existed 2,000 years ago and not today, right? I'm just gonna pray for a second here.
Father, as we're as we're hearing your word this morning, God, can you just speak to our hearts? Father, right now we want to repent. If any of these attitudes, any of these things that that you condemned the Pharisees for that day, Father, if those exist in our hearts, Father, help us search that out. Help us to ask for forgiveness and turn that around, Father. We don't want anything to stand between us. So God, any, any of the deficiencies in our relationship with you, God, I just ask that you would, you would enter in today, right now, and convict us of that, Father. Let us know what we need to change so that we can be right with you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, okay. Back on track, back on track here. So, what does all of this then mean for discipleship? What does it have to do with discipleship? There's a pretty clear warning here to leaders of what not to do, how not to lead, right? There's a lot of, hey, this isn't okay to do this. And Jesus is very clearly telling the people the, the Pharisees what they're doing is uh, contradictory to what they're teaching and it's always funny how God lines things up in my life actually um, speaking on this topic today uh, just on Friday uh, I was working on a paper and part of working on these papers for school, um, this specific one, there were some um, videos to watch as resources to prepare for it. And this particular paper is uh, the Theological Foundations for Spiritual Leadership. Um, so this particular video was, uh, it was Daniel Henderson talking to uh, Vance Pittman, so they, they are with an organization called um, Strategic Renewal. And as I was listening to this conversation, uh, Vance had said something that, that really stuck out to me as I had been spending the week preparing for this sermon. And he said, how can you lead what you don't live? How can you lead what you don't live. So if we're supposed to be discipling people and teaching them how to live like Jesus, following the instructions that we find in the Bible, but we're not living that out, we're not praying, we're not listening to the Word of God, we're not spending time reading our Bibles, how do we teach others to do that. I kind of think back to raising kids. We tell them, don't do this. 
but then they turn around and see us doing that. We're not really ingraining in them the good habits then. If we're doing the things that we're telling them not to do. So the point was quite simply that it's ineffective to try leading people in a lifestyle that you yourself aren't living out. So I found that rather fitting that just landed in my lap as I was preparing this sermon. And it boils down to this. In order to disciple people that are authentic and obedient believers, those who are raising them up need to be authentic and obedient believers. In other words, to raise up genuine disciples, we also need to be genuine disciples. We can also take away this from the admonition of the, the uh, lifestyles of the Pharisees, discipleship isn't just about telling people how they should live. Because that is so easy to do. It's easy to have a conversation with somebody who's struggling and you're like, well, you know, if you would just, you know, give up this. Or if you would just start praying or spend more time reading your Bible. It's really easy to tell somebody else what to do, how to live. But we need to actually come alongside them rather than throwing out these things, putting up fences, making this burden for people. We need to come alongside them as we're discipling them and being involved in their lives. Not above them. Jesus didn't come and rule in his time of ministry with a sword. Jesus came and spent three years walking around Israel with 12 guys, day in, day out, getting to know them, understanding their weaknesses, understanding what it's like to live with them. But instead, the religious leaders, they stood tall and proud apart from those that were in their care. So which model should we be following? So how can we apply this to our own lives today? First, let's consider the warnings to the scribes and the Pharisees. It's easy to look at that and say that they weren't insincere, right? They just weren't genuine people. However, they earnestly believed that they were, they were right, that they were living in a way and that they were teaching in a way that was right. They truly thought that that was how it was supposed to be. So this warning doesn't just apply to the Pharisees. It applies to anybody who professes Christ. And that's not saying that we're all running around not doing, we're not living out, not practicing what we preach. There we go, there's the phrase. It doesn't mean that we're not, but it's a warning to make sure that we don't fall into that trap. It's possible 
for you and me to genuinely believe that we are doing God's work, obeying God's word, and accomplishing God's will, yet to be deceived and to experience eternal damnation. And that comes from uh, uh, one of the commentaries on Matthew. It's possible for you and me to be genuinely, uh, genuinely believe that we are doing God's work, obeying God's word, and accomplishing God's will, yet to be deceived. Isn't that, isn't that something really to, to sit in your head and think about? We can be so convinced sometimes that what we are doing is of God. But when we compare it against God's word, what is the reality? So I want to encourage each and every person listening today to stop and search your heart. Are we living in a way that's pleasing to God? Are you living in a way that will help lead others in a lifestyle that is pleasing to God? Or are you teaching others to live one way and living another yourselves? Are you placing impossible standards on others? Whether that's out of fear of falling off the cliff over there. Or out of a place of, of uh, authority and power? Are you touting your status as a mature and seasoned Christian, which puts you above others who may be younger in their faith? Wherever you fall in that, invite the Spirit into your life to refine you and to address those things. And if you're doing a good job, great. Some of us will be doing an amazing job. Some of us, the Spirit's going to identify those things in our hearts that we need to be changing. Secondly, we need to understand that this does apply to all of us. Because sometimes we can kind of sit back and be like, no, I'm good on that. There's nothing in me or in this for me today. But Jesus' final words in Matthew before his ascension are important to remember. And I'm sure we'll probably touch on this in another week in more depth. But in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age discipleship isn't just the job of the, uh, of the leaders discipleship is the job of disciples Jesus was instructing his disciples to go and make disciples. So as believers, as somebody who professes Christ, you are to be a disciple. You're supposed to learn the traits of Jesus, how to be a Christian, how to live like Jesus lived, 
and love like Jesus loved. And once you've got that, I'm not going to say perfected because we are never going to have that fully perfected. Let's be honest. We're human. You go on and you start having that kind of relationship with somebody else, teaching them the same things. Sometimes that's with our kids. Sometimes that's with other men, other women who need guidance. We all need guidance. Discipleship is the job of the disciples, not just the leaders. We learn to glorify God so that we can teach others to do so. So be encouraged today. This message certainly sounds very slap on the wrist kind of thing, but really it's an encouragement that yes, there's a warning of what not to do in terms of discipleship and, and how we shouldn't lead. But with that, we get to see how we should lead, how we should take others alongside of us. God's with us in this. And if we follow the example that Jesus provided, we can accomplish what he asks of us. So Father God, as we close out today, again, we thank you for your word, Father, and we thank you for your grace. That Father, even, even though we don't always get it right, God, you're, you're with us, Father, and you forgive us. As long as we ask for it, you are going to forgive us every time. And you're going to help us find those things that we're doing that just don't align with what your word says. And God, so today I, I just ask that you would really enter into our lives, send your spirit, Father, to come into our lives again and again and again and overflow us. To convict us and to tell us, you need to change this. Because your word says so. Your word guides us. And Father, we ask that your spirit would continue to guide us. And God, if... Uh, if today you've... Uh, really hammered into anybody father that that um, that they would open up themselves father to become a stronger disciple of you father to develop a relationship with somebody who can who can disciple them but moreover father I pray that, that you'd be raising up today people to do the discipling work. Father, that you would create people today who can go out and create disciples through you, Father. People that have a heart for other people, to see them walk right with you. God, place that on the hearts of those today that, that you desire to be doing that. 
those who are ready for it, God. And I just pray a blessing over those people. Father, anoint them as you raise them up to do your work. So, Father, bless all who are hearing this message this morning and those who are here. God, I just pray that uh, those who aren't here, those who can't be present, Father, that you would be with them whatever the circumstances are. And that, God, you would be with us as we go throughout our week. And that you would help us to continue to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.